Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on... Oh, is it time to wake up now? I've been asleep here for a week. For a week, yes. <laughs> a 10-day rest. In my tent. You, you forgot. You locked the door and left, and well, I was I put, stuck here. We gave you a little extra nitrous. You should be happy. I was. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line will be open during the 9 a.m. hour. At that time, you can call us 1-800-795-9565. On the news line with us now, State Senator John Gordner, the Republican Majority Whip in Harrisburg, 27th District, State Senator. Uh, thank you so much for calling in this morning. We always appreciate these updates. Uh, good morning, Mark and Joe. Good morning, sir. I do appreciate that. Uh, we are currently enjoying the governor's emergency declaration. It was not rescinded by uh, what some Republicans call the liberal state Supreme Court. Maybe that can be shown empirically. Maybe it's not, the liberal's not even an opinion. So uh, what's your view on uh, what is next for Pennsylvania? Do you have any other options to change the governor's orders? Well, we're certainly exploring those now. We were incredibly disappointed with the Supreme Court's action. Uh, very split vote. Uh, there was, out of the seven uh, Supreme Court justices, there were four uh, writing uh, with the majority opinion. There were two in the dissenting, and then Judge Dougherty, um had a mixed opinion. He would have actually thrown out the whole statute uh, if you read through his opinion. So uh, it wasn't a decisive uh, decision, but one that I don't think makes sense in regard to the law. I mean, I don't believe that a previous General Assembly would have written into a statute that a governor can declare an emergency declaration, uh, but that the uh, House and Senate, uh, by a majority vote, uh, could terminate it uh, if they meant anything other than that. Uh, If the General Assembly would have meant that they could terminate it, but that the governor could veto it, it, it just doesn't make sense. So... We're certainly looking at other uh, options. Uh, Frankly, uh, we may have to head to federal court because uh, time after time after time after time, uh, this isn't the first or second or fourth or fifth case uh, that the Supreme Court has had its hand in uh, in the last four months, but they have uh, continuously decided for the governor. Well, the governor has not indicated any desire to work with the state House and Senate on this. I mean, it seems to me that whether you like his actions or dislike them, he has been a strong leader in terms of trying to achieve what he wants. Do you see any chance for compromise with him? I mean, even though since it was a close split decision, you think that might make him more amenable to sitting down and talking to you about it? Uh, It's hard to tell. Uh, It's been incredibly frustrating. And I think, again, if if there would have been uh, weekly attempts Uh, to understand where he was going and have him listen to what our leadership has been saying. Uh, We'd be in a different place right now, but it's been uh, unilateral decision after unilateral decision after unilateral decision, and he has 
all but implied that he thinks until uh, a vaccine is in place that he's just going to continue with emergency uh, declaration after emergency declaration. They, they last for 90 days, and uh, he can keep extending them. I, I might remind you, uh, we are in year three of emergency declarations in regard to the heroin and opioid uh, matter because he has uh, declared, uh, what, uh, nine of them in a row? Uh, so nothing's going to stop him from continuing to, to do it. But, yeah, I think all of us, at least on our side, and, and look, that concurrent resolution that passed, uh, House Resolution 836 passed with bipartisan support in the House and the Senate. Actually, in both bodies, there was over 60% of the House members and over 60% of the Senate members. Uh, so uh, there's at least some Democrats that uh, are frustrated as well. Is there a, is, we hear that U.S. Attorney General William Barr is also examining this case. What's his role? Uh, I don't know. I am not aware of that. Uh, Jake Corman talked about it over the weekend, saying at least it has his attention. Beyond that, I, I can't quite answer that question beyond there. So what okay. are we doing, John? Are we just going to keep bumping along here in this green phase with the current restrictions never being changed, never being lifted, or actually being modified? I mean, when we started out, green uh, masks were not required everywhere you go. Now they're required everywhere you go. Uh, where, where are we headed? <laughs> Uh, look, uh, I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. Uh, personally, I think masks are a minor inconvenience. Uh, I do the grocery shopping in my family. I have for 30 years. Uh, I go to the grocery store a couple times a week. I wear my mask. I think 99% of the folks in the grocery store wear their masks. Uh, if I go, uh, my dad needed a new TV. He just got rid of his 1993 TV. <laughs> Sorry. Salem Township's having a recycling, and for 25 bucks, he can get rid of it. So I went to Best Buy, and I, uh, you know, wore a mask inside, uh, as did most people. So I'm one of those that, uh, look, uh, you know, other than when my wife and I go to the restaurant, we'll wear a mask in, but once we're seated and, and ordered, we take our masks off for the rest of the duration. But I think masks, in my viewpoint, are a minor inconvenience, and I don't have a problem uh, in most cases, uh, especially if in an indoor setting, wearing one. But, um, I mean, uh, you know, we're at the high point in Pennsylvania, we were over 2,000 cases a day. Uh, now, uh, for almost four weeks, uh, we have been five or 600 or below. Uh, we, there's been a, a modest increase over the last um, week, all because of one county. It's, it's Allegheny County, um, and that's the only reason. But even at, uh, I mean, so for a month now, we've been averaging five to 600 cases or less. If you do the math uh, on that, and we've talked about this before, that is .00005, if you take those numbers and divide it by 12.5 million people, it's .00005% of the population, which means on any given day, 99.99995% of the population is is not being infected. Probably the most important number, uh, and I'm going to have to agree with UPMC on this, is the hospitalization uh, rate. Our hospitalization rate uh, is the lowest now uh, than it's been since March. Uh, so uh, even among the five or 600 cases of people that are getting infected, uh, they're not requiring uh, the hospitalization. Again, our hospitalization right now is the lowest it's been since March. Um, so 
the, the governor, I guess to answer the other part of your question, I mean, Snyder County uh, has been in green. Uh, Montour County has been in green for over a month now uh, without any uptick in cases. And uh, those counties, those county commissioners, have no idea what comes next because the governor, uh, through his unilateral powers, hasn't told anybody what comes next. It's very frustrating. Are we looking, uh, well, actually, let me comment on your infinitesimally small uh, percentage of individuals that test positive at any given time. If you accumulate all of the people who have ever tested positive, it's still less than 1%. So crushing the curve was something we did successfully do here and and are still doing in a successful way. Even in Allegheny County, they're the hotbed of all the new cases. It's still an ultra-small percentage there. So uh, we're doing what we need to do. Are you confident that we'll be able to have in-class public schooling this fall, and more importantly, fall sports this fall? Are you keeping an eye That's on that? That's more important. <laughs> it's a facetious. <laughs> facetious, I'm, please. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on the what's more important or not. Okay. Uh, I think getting kids back to uh, the classroom and being educated uh, in a uh, full manner is, is very important. Uh, I have talked to my superintendents, and uh, they are you know, working on the uh, submissions that go into uh, the Department of Education. You know, uh, as of July 1st, uh, any of the 500 school districts are able to submit plans for consideration at this point. A number of them have uh, come up with plans in regard to uh, sport practicing or conditioning. Um, The superintendents I've talked to are still working on it. Uh, There is... um, hundreds of thousands of dollars, as I think I've mentioned, that's available to schools specifically to make um, uh, purchases in regard to PPE in order to make modifications in classrooms, uh, all of those sorts of things. So that is good. It's, it's one-time money, um, so it's not being built into a budget. Um, but we need to get the kids back. Um, I think the challenge is for some of the superintendents is, and they've done, a number of them have done surveys, is you know parental uh, input uh, because some parents want everyone to wear a mask. Some parents don't want anyone to wear a mask if their kid is forced to wear a mask. So uh, they're still working out those details. What do you think will happen with fall sports? Uh, do you think they'll be you know they'll go by the board? Uh, you know it's it's challenging. Um, you know I I participate in a sport. Uh, Cross country, uh, you know, cross country is one of those that uh, I think you can make it work uh, without too much difficulty. Uh, I've gone past uh, a couple of baseball uh, games uh, here locally, and baseball is one of those that uh, is not that difficult to do uh, under uh, you know some reasonable relaxation of rules. Um, you know, uh, football is is another, uh, wrestling is another, so. Uh, basketball is another because of the just contact in those type of sports. So we'll have to see what happens. And that would be without fans. Is At least that is an idea that's being talked about in the college. And, of course, NASCAR is done in a couple of races now without fans. So maybe that would be the way that some of these fall sports would happen. Although some of the students without their parents in the stand, they kind of lose that that mojo well, what that, would be the, that incentive, the parents provide. My, my feeling is what would be the incentive because high school sports depend not on television revenues or radio revenues but on people coming through the turnstile. If there's no money coming in, all they'd have would be the expense of conducting the event. 
that doesn't seem like something the school districts would be interested in doing. Do you think, John? Uh, I'm uh, I'm going to leave that up to the local school district, <laughs> okay. the local school <laughs> board, the local this. superintendent. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, you know, are you familiar with the state's uh, testing program that if you can go online and sign up for tests for COVID-19? Uh, no. It's through Quest Diagnostics, the, the thing being done at Walmart parking lots. My wife and I signed up last Monday to go in and get the test. It was kind of quite a complicated process to sign up online, but we got our assigned times, and we showed up, and we took the test, and they, they're hand, holding up signs telling us what to do and handing things through the car window with tongs. And uh, finally, a pharmacist walked us through how we had to do it, and they told us it would be two days till we got the results back. I didn't get mine back for six days, and my wife's still hasn't gotten hers back and it lists the client as the state secretary or the state department of health you know if you're paying for this are you getting the value or is it, who's running this program uh you'll need to talk to secretary levine <laughs> okay. uh, the general assembly uh, has not had any input into that program really and so, you're negative you, joe i i came back negative but my wife still hasn't gotten her results yet and you know and it all it is is a snapshot of where you are it seems like the longer it takes you to get the results the less likely they are to be accurate uh, makes sense Okay. <laughs> well, you can do voluntary testing at Geisinger now. We talked to them on the news line t- about that today. All right. Well, let's talk about some things that uh, you do. You, you certainly have tremendous knowledge of and influence on the state budget de- deficit. What's the current deficit, and what are some of the solutions being looked at? Well, we finished the 1920 fiscal year, and we were over $3 billion short of what was anticipated a year ago. Uh, we will see really in the next week or so, uh, as we've talked about before, uh, the governor extended the, Mar- or the April 15th deadline to July 15th. Uh, the Independent Fiscal Office believes that uh, possibly up to $1.7 billion that did not come in during this past fiscal year is going to come in in July. People just uh, waiting, businesses waiting in order to submit it uh, by the deadline, much as some people would wait till April 13th, now they're going to wait till July 13th or 14th. So uh, I believe by the end of this month, uh, we'll truly get a better idea as to what the true shortfall was and where we are. And then we're we're waiting to see what uh, Congress does. Uh, you know, we certainly expect a fourth um, package from Congress. Uh, July seems to be the month that people are talking about. And the big question is whether there will be some uh, monies in it for state budgets without strings uh, that we can use in order to uh, fill in budget holes. How would you say the state's economy is doing? Uh, we had great, what, 4 million new jobs created last month, or I guess 4 million more people going back to work. Nationally. How's, yeah, nationally. How's Pennsylvania doing? What's the outlook for our economy? Uh, well, uh, the out or the yeah, the coming months will be interesting. And again, we'll we'll see in the next month or so. Uh, we've talked before, you know, in a number of instances, 49 states allowed one thing and Pennsylvania didn't, uh, like real estate. Uh, 49 states allowed auto sales and, and rentals, and Pennsylvania didn't. So as a result of that, we had one of the highest unemployment rates of any state in the country. Uh, and as you know, Tom Wolf got an F from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, was just one of four governors uh, that got that and how they uh, dealt with this economically. So we'll see now that uh, you can buy cars and now that you can purchase homes and now that you can 
uh, do some other type of things that uh, we are the only state that can as to how we're rebounding. But again, I think it's going to take a month or two. Um, really, I mean, uh, it's just on Friday that every county in the state is now under green. Um, but knowing that Allegheny and Philadelphia still had some restrictions on it placed by their local governments. Uh, I used the word frustration uh, earlier when you were describing relations with the governor. I think also what have to be frustrating is, is that you have several pieces of pending legislation in Harrisburg that would make big differences and, and you know certainly help Pennsylvania progress. Let's talk about pending legislation. I'll let you set the agenda. We know there's dozens of things pending. Are there any bills in Harrisburg that you would you wish that they would get some attention and would advance that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, let me just, uh, you know, some people get frustrated. We, uh, we obviously talk so much about the governor doing things una- uh, unilateral. Um, just this past week, we were in session uh, last Monday and Tuesday. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We passed uh, 13 bills in the Senate unanimously, um, working uh, Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans working together. And they're pretty significant. Uh, we uh, community-based health care act, uh, tax abatement for blighted properties, um, requiring fire det- uh, detectors and child care centers, uh, something dealing with the sheriff and deputy sheriff education and training act, uh, modernizing the reinsurance program. Um, so, I mean, we did some substantial pieces of legislation. So, at least you know the Senate Democrats and us uh, are working together on a couple of things. Probably the most significant uh, deals with some policing reforms. Uh, And we actually now have, uh, in the Senate, passed five bills dealing with policing reforms unanimously. Uh, And actually, I think all five of them are either House Democratic prime-sponsored bills or Senate Democratic prime-sponsored bills uh, that we put out there. one requiring uh, law enforcement background investigations uh, so that uh, if someone does have misconducts in your history that uh, uh, someone that's looking to hire that person will know of their background. Uh, One is uh, banning chokeholds other than if uh, there is threat of deadly harm. Uh, One is annual training on de-escalation techniques. Uh, One is uh, requiring mental health evaluations of law enforcement officers uh, and uh, looking to make sure that they do uh, PDSD evaluations uh, if there's been a traumatic event. So, you know, there's some issues uh, that's very timely and topical that we've actually worked together on in, uh, in the Senate. All right. Well, yeah, and I, I, I think we watched a little about that pop up on the Associated Press as they monitored the goings on in Harrisburg. Also talking about elevating the office of fire commissioner. In what way would that occur, and how would that uh, impact maybe volunteers or fire companies around here? Yeah. So that one, uh, had, interestingly enough, was not a unanimous vote. Uh, that uh, I think it was thirty-four to sixteen, from what I have. Uh, but it makes a number of changes uh, in regard to the uh, state fire commissioner. Uh, there were certain things that uh, programs that went through Pima and DCED uh, for, like the fire grant program for uh, local fire companies. We think that should all go under the the fire commission office. Uh, there's an advisory board that we beefed up a little bit, uh, requiring the fire commissioner to be uh, approved. 
um, when they're nominated by the uh, Pennsylvania Senate and go through that process. Uh, some folks uh, did not like things being taken away from the governor, uh, but uh, we believe that it, things should be centralized under the fire commissioner office uh, because he, he is a firefighter. He uh, knows uh, the state fire company laws. Uh, oftentimes he's uh, always been you know, ahead of a local fire company for years and years. Uh, so we think uh, the end product of that is good. Okay, one last question about pending legislation from me. Uh, please tell me you have a bill on your table that would ban fireworks altogether for good <laughs> everywhere, period. No, it's not that bad. But all this, you know, every, you know, everybody has all these fireworks now. It's, it's a big tax revenue generator, no argument there. But boy, oh boy. Your so thoughts we, on we that? We took that issue up, yeah, and I should mention, uh, I'm actually doing another one of my... Uh, because this is the fifth or sixth one. I'm doing another Teletown Hall uh, tomorrow evening at 6, so folks uh, will be getting calls right around 6 o'clock. We've been averaging around 4,000 or more people that have uh, listened in. I'm not sure that I, I can do a poll, but uh, that was going to be one of my poll questions, if I can do one in regard to fireworks. But the last day that we were in session on Tuesday, uh, Senator Pat Brown from Lehigh uh, County actually got a piece of legislation adopted uh, in the Senate anyways, and has to go to the House, that would allow uh, first, second, and third class cities of a certain population the ability to uh, regulate and control fireworks throughout the year, uh, because it, it has become a very hot topic. Well, look at it this way. The number of missing fingers sooner or later will make it unnecessary to enact any legislation. <laughs> so I'm sorry, John. Just a bad day. Let me, let me ask you this question. I'm still hearing some complaints about the unemployment compensation, filing for unemployment compensation, how difficult it is that they ask you questions that, you know, your circumstances may not fit exactly that, but it's so hard to get help. You know, do you see, are you, is there any chance coming out of this there will be some reform and to make it easier for people to file, or at least make it uh, their ability to get a hold of a human being who can help them a little easier? Well, it's interesting. Uh, the State Department of Labor and Industry about a week or so ago uh, put out something that I think they were trying to pat their backs on, that, hey, we have uh, successfully uh, processed 92% of all unemployment comp claims. Well, if you were to have said that in April, I'd say, hey, that's great, congratulations, you're doing a great job. But uh, to the extent that there is still 8% of applications that have not been fully processed that probably have been pending since March is completely a disaster and unacceptable. Uh, to think that there is four months later uh, folks that have filed for claims that they believe are um, or acceptable ones that have not seen even a dollar yet um, is is not acceptable. And a number of them is the, the PUA program, which is a new program, I understand, uh, but we're two months into that program. So uh, the interesting thing, and I'm not sure if I should be saying this or not, but the, uh, the Senate Democratic Caucus actually uh, had the governor and the L&I secretary um, come before the caucus uh, last week. We had to take a pause uh, in our session schedule, so uh, it tells you that it's a bipartisan uh, frustration with the LNI program. Uh, and open mic, anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to tell us? Uh, no. 
um, we'll just continue. Uh, the House is in two days this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, we may come back in in the Senate. Uh, this isn't going to be a normal summer for us, so as, as things pop up or as we try to take further action, uh, we're going to, to do that. So stay tuned. Well, thank you so yes, much. We'll we do that. We very much have appreciated all these updates. We'll look forward to more information and some potentially a successful passage and signage of some of these other important legislative items that uh, seem like they're on the back burner but are just as important. Keep up the good work, Senator. Thank you. And, yes, the Teletown Hall uh, again tomorrow evening around 6 o'clock. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Senator John Gordner, the Senate Majority Whip, 27th District uh, State Senator, Republican out of uh, Berwick on the line. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Topohawken Mountain Spring Water is my go-to, and I'm always on the go. I always have a bottle with me because not all water is the same. Topohawken is natural mountain spring water. It's so important in the summer to stay hydrated, and I definitely feel more alert and energized when I drink up my share of Topohawken Mountain Spring Water. Topohawken Mountain Spring Water, Northumberland. Delivery to your home or office. Keep a bottle with you all the time. Topohawkenwater.com. Topohawken. Hey, Lisa, we need to talk. About what? Why are Caldwell Banker signs covering this entire area overnight? I'm not mad about it. I'm going to need an explanation. Ah, yes. Caldwell Banker has launched a rebrand with the new North Star logo, and we are excited to be rolling out our new look in our local market. Wait. Do I need a new look? How about a mullet? Oh, please no. But now is an awesome time for sellers and buyers to jump on board with the stars of Caldwell Banker Pen 1 and find out how we can guide you home. Contact us at CaldwellBankerPen1.com. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Really appreciative of State Senator John Gordon. He's been on the radio about a half a dozen times prior to March with important legislative updates. He's been very good about keeping us up to date. Has he ever been here in the studio? I don't yes, a while back. Okay. But we're, we've only had one guest in the studio in the last, what, three months? Well, no, I mean in, in oh. recent years. He loves to do the telephone updates with us. So we, we're just glad he's available. Super updates. And uh, he knows how to say I don't know if necessary, which is all. <laughs> Well, you, you get some people that get down to Harrisburg, they lose their ability to say, I don't know. But, you know, that is sad to think that 8% of the cases filed since this, this pandemic started for unemployment compensation are still not resolved. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Bragging that it's 92%. And speaking to one of the, one person who filed, they actually gave up. 
The okay. questions were so difficult, and they weren't exactly their circumstances, and they were unable to get any help, you know, from a human being to try and reconcile the differences. So they, they gave, gave up. up. So the question is, how many other people are like that out there that qualify? The, wow. the program should be helping, and because the state system is so antiquated and disruptive, or you know, disjointed, they can't get through. They can't even file their claim. And giving up involves hundreds and hundreds of dollars. You're really right. You're leaving right. a lot of money on the table. All right. Well, to be continued, uh, we are going to enjoy open phones. First time in uh, nine days that we've had open phones. We have some leftover emails. Maybe we can sift through those. We can talk about uh, monuments and a wide range of other topics. Oh, Coming yeah. up. This is WDKOK Sunbury, 9 o'clock. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. Mark, Joe, and Rob are back. We're back on the air with a live program. We had all best of programs last week. Rob Center got to enjoy the whole week off altogether. Joe was on vacation. I was here gluing the pieces together. I was trapped in this bubble. You forgot to you locked oh, the door and left. I, I know. I left the lights out and poor Joe, the nitrous. I'm very kept hungry. You, under. you said I lost weight. I haven't had no bite to eat. Your cheeks are all drawn in. I can see where your body got its sustaining energy from your cheeks. All right. On your face, I should say. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line now open. Call us now, 1-800-795-9565. You are welcome to email us, as no one has done in a week, at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Joe, you'll be glad to know we got some uh, complimentary email in the news I'll forward it to you later, but somebody's saying they really appreciated the best of On the Mark. They didn't realize how good the show was, and they love Mark and Joe's questions that we were asking oh, the guests. Oh, well, that's so, very nice. How about that? <laughs> yeah, so we got a little compliment, so thank you for that note. I, uh, in the news... Is it signed, Mom? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom sent it to us. Uh, she wouldn't compliment you. She's I know a, she would She's a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> she would say, tell Joe to take those funnels out right now. <laughs> and the, anyway, uh, five new COVID-19 cases have popped up in the Valley, while Pennsylvania is back under 500 new cases overall. Daily update Sunday, State Department of Health confirmed four new cases in Northumberland County, their total now 327. One new case popped up in Montour County, their total 76. And uh, no change in the number of deaths that have occurred in the central Susquehanna Valley because of COVID-19. Statewide, uh, we'll say this uh, with an adjective, there were only 479 new cases, but the previous week or so, the more than six each day in Pennsylvania. So that is a slightly down number, maybe because of the longer weekend, uh, but hopefully that number is down to stay. Pushing the total now over 89,000 individuals in Pennsylvania, way less than 1% as uh, the uh, state senator, John Gordner, pointed out, probably about 0.6% of Pennsylvania's tested positive for COVID-19. And we mentioned that Joe got tested and the results are negative.
negative. Uh, we had a doctor on Geisinger today from Geisinger today saying that voluntary testing, you don't have to have any symptoms at all. Why did you decide to get a test? Well, just because it was free, okay. and we because were over the age. We, we answered the question. You have to pre-qualify, and you answer questions. Because I'm over 65, and around uh, people, I was considered to be at risk. Okay, good for you. Okay, so I wouldn't qualify under that criteria then. Well, there are other criteria the there. Okay. You may well qualify under others, but that's all they needed to know about me to say, all right, you're qualified to take the test. Yeah, it's been very interesting to see about uh, testing. I'm developing an informed opinion, and later this summer, I have a very, very quick, very minor, non-anything, non in-and-out uh, surgery day, and they announced that, or told me that I'll get a COVID test for that Oh, okay. prior well, to that. Well, there you so go. I'll be in the next day with a Band-Aid and hopefully positive results. <laughs> so No, negative results. You don't oh, yeah, well, that's true. That's, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> that would be positive for me that it was negative. How about that? All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we got in the news here? Uh, you'll remember that Harvey Edwards, former Sealand Grove educator and Tallinn's Troop Advisor, Susquehanna University educator, was on WKOK's On the Mark program, uh, this time recently, talking about the need for police reform, and now is the time. There is no doubt that there are good and bad people in all professions. We see this with the clergy. It happens with teachers, doctors, lawyers, certainly police as well. And so we have to get to a point in this country where if a police officer commits a crime, he should not be above the law. You can hear the rest of his remarks on the WKOK podcast page. The day after a body was found in the broad Treverton region of Northumberland County, troopers say no suspicious activity is suspected. In an update Sunday, Stonington troopers tell us a no foul play suspected, no cause for public concern. The body was found along Bates Road in East Cameron Township. Uh, Northumberland County investigators haven't yet disclosed the identity and in a show of modern-day retaliation for tearing down Confederate statues, at least that's the theory why this happened, a statue of abolitionist Frederick Douglass was taken from its base in Rochester, New York, on the anniversary of one of his most famous speeches in 1852. Uh, police say the statue of Douglass was taken down yesterday from Maplewood Park, a site along the Underground Railroad where Douglass and Harriet Tubman helped shuttle slaves to freedom. Uh, to that end... Carvin Eason, a uh, leader of the project that brought the Douglas statue to the park, told the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle, uh, which I know the number for that, incidentally. They call here, yeah, they're always mistaken for our newsroom, their 800 number. Anyway, uh, he says that another statue will take its place because the damage was too significant. Quote, is this some type of retaliation because of the national fever over Confederate monuments right now? Very disappointing. It's beyond disappointing, unquote. Or is it just stupid people who don't know American history and decided that Frederick Douglass, because he was alive in the 1860s, we should tear his statue down? I hate down. to tell you, but I think it's that. That's <laughs> no, I what, do, too. I don't think it was reta- retaliation. And then That's to, too sophisticated. To pick that <laughs> monument. Well, well, plus, if you decide that there's a, a northern soldier or significant history figure whose statue has to come down as retaliation. You shouldn't pick somebody that you have to explain what their role was. Now, Frederick Douglass, if you're familiar with the Underground Railroad and all of that, uh, that you know who he is, but he's not a household word like Harriet There Tubman. are a couple of great biography, for biographies of Frederick Douglass. I have one or two at home, and they're well worth reading. He was an incredible human being, and he did more to advance the cause of black people in America up to that point than very few people have done since. 
you know. So he was he was a very effective leader in his day, just as Dr. King was in the 1960s. All right. Well, you done? Yes. Well, okay, thank you, you. You looked like you were waiting for me to finish. Well, you took to go a on deep to breath else. right on the microphone. I thought you were going to continue, and I don't want to interrupt. I do, but not this particular sentence that you were going to say. All right. 1-800-795-9565. We're enjoying open phones right now. You can call us. Uh, we've talked a little bit about COVID-19 and with the state senator, John Gordner, and the testing that's widely available now, some of it which is just plain voluntary. You tell your doctor you want it, or right. in your case, you, you did a lot of electronic work to get lined up for that. And uh, so we're all going to be tested in the months and weeks ahead. Uh, we can talk about that, or statues coming down, or police reform. Uh, well, let's go back to statues for a minute, okay. because I, I was reading over the weekend, or the past week, a number of minor statues. There are two statues in Fulton County, Pennsylvania, related to the Confederacy, that are being torn down. One has to do with a group of people who fed a Confederate brigade or something uh, on their way out of Pennsylvania after Gettysburg. And another another one that celebrated uh, two soldiers who got lost or, and buried somebody else. They're tearing them down. Okay, you know? now stand by. Let's let's get to clarification. These were monuments put. Uh, let's do the meal first. Well, they were done put, by the daughters of the Confederacy. You know, the, okay, to so commemorate some minor event. I mean, it was not a major event Near of the Gettysburg. Civil War. Uh, thank you for feeding the soldiers on their way out of right. town. Right. Well, okay. they fed them, and instead of burning the town down, the residents decided to feed the soldiers, and the soldiers left, even though they were enemy. They left and mm-hmm. went on their way without causing any damage They'd or destruction. Been part of a losing team at right, Gettysburg. Right. Gettysburg. Okay. So they were on their way out of the. State. This is in Pennsylvania. McConnellsburg, yes. It's right in Fulton County, right outside of uh, the and southern part of the state. who is talking about taking these oh, down? They, they, people in the community. They've done it. They've taken it them happened. down. They're removing them. And I think Pennsylvania is talking about removing some uh, monuments to the, to the uh, Confederate soldiers. And, of course, the issue about what happens at Gettysburg and other battlefields is very much in the news today. I don't think I really – maybe I'm stupid, but I don't think we solve our problem by – Erasing people or events that happened in the past. If we don't learn from them, what does the struggle for civil rights mean if we don't understand what the people who participated in it had to go through to achieve what's been achieved so far? Imperfect though it may be, there's no denying we've come a long way from where we were. And if we demean the contributions of the people who struggled along the way, what have we learned? Where are we going? Why, why is it all the... Uh, when I saw a Facebook thread on a friend of mine's page where they said Abraham Lincoln was a bad person because when he started the Civil War, or when the Civil War started, he was willing to save the Union without freeing a single slave. Yet Lincoln came to realize that the war had to be more about that. It was transformative. It had to deal with slavery. It had to be abolished. So what's more important? Where he started, and yes, he did want to send them to Liberia and get them out of the United States. He thought that would solve the problem. But he matured and he he evolved over time. Like Robert E. Lee. Like Robert E. Lee. So what do we do? Do we say, oh, well, he started out wrong, therefore let's boil him in oil? Well, and is it feasible in Fulton County? Let's go back to that. I'm still wondering what what's happening there. Are they, these statues or one? Well, they were commemorative markers, okay. oh, markers, not statues. Okay. Are they both down yet? I don't know whether they're down yet or not. I read okay. it in the Chambersburg newspaper, the uh, public opinion. Well, list. you know more about it than I do, but it seems to me that this is the right way to examine whether we should have those markers there or not. It's a deliberative process. Folks are aware of it. You know, here we are okay. up here and there. That's the way to do it. Or 
more if it were, if it's going to require more context. The one about the meal is <laughs> that defies why that would have to go. I mean, it's put up by individuals from the Confederacy, but on the other hand, or they were Americans at the time, as everyone was. But uh, the the other one. <laughs> I guess you'd have to know more. But anyway, it's a deliberative process. So if this is the deliberations and the decision they make, I will, I will respect well, I that. I can't imagine any person of color walking past that and saying, oh, I feel threatened and offended by this. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more than that, though. It's not just an individual. Is it part of the all-white culture that is involved in the decision-making for the monuments or for government or for our society or for medical care? or for banking or for anything else. Well, you're ignoring it, the fact that it, blacks fought in the Civil War on both sides. I'm not ignoring anything. Far more I'm just talking about side. a monument or a plaque in Fulton County. You asked, is it going to trigger a black person? And the answer may be yes or no. I don't know that answer either to you. But the bottom line is we're reexamining monuments, not just because they trigger sadness on the part of somebody who's a black American. The issue is do they uphold and honor individuals who fought to continue continue slavery or traitors or to continue breaking away from the U.S., that's the real conversation that's underway. It has almost more to do with uh, white dominance in the U.S. than it does with the statue But itself. you forget what Abraham Lincoln said, <laughs> well, what, his, what his orders were. I never were, knew what he said. What his orders were to General Grant after Lee, when it was obvious Lee was going to be defeated. He said, let him up easy. He didn't say, whip him, punish him cut, hang them up. He said, let them up easy. Because if if the Civil War wasn't eventually about freeing the slaves and reuniting the country where we are all common citizens again, then what was it about? If we fought the war just to punish the rebels, as you say, the traitors, what did, well, we, what did we gain? We're at an impasse. Your vast knowledge of history will always uh, outlast mine. Who's coming down really mean. So we would invite our <laughs> I audience. I heard you. I just disagree with you. <laughs> no, you ignored it. Otherwise, you would have to seriously consider whether this white dominance of, of really all of our institutions but is you, worth reexamining. You missed what I've said before. If the statues were put up during the Jim Crow era as a you know way to put the black man in his place, then yes, I say take them down. But let's take the this Lincoln... This has nothing to do with yesterday. It's everything let's to do take, with today. Well, let's take a look at, at the statue of Lincoln and the slave, which is causing a lot of, you know... All right, when we come the, back. Right, all right, when we come back. We would invite folks to call in. We are talking statues, the context in today. I'm really trying to get Joe to focus on today. He's really trying to uh, re- make sure that we remember the context of the history. And so uh, we're at an impasse, so we're probably just going to stop the show here at this <laughs> point because... Get back on vacation. Neither of us are listening to each other. And we'll revert back to best of. We got a caller waiting, and we got a caller coming in. So uh, make our producer uh, earn his two cents. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. You can email us at on the mark at wkok dot com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, we're resuming operations here with an open phones Monday. We'd love to hear from you on the topic of your selection. We've talked about statues a little bit. Earlier, we talked about COVID-19 testing, which is more widely available. Uh, still, less than 1% to one of our good listeners sends me a text that says, 0.8% of Pennsylvanians have tested positive for COVID-19. So I appreciate that. one 800 is our telephone number on the topic of coronavirus. Bobby, thanks for calling in. You're on the mark. Yes, I hope everyone had a, uh, a nice mm-hmm. vacation, and now it's back to uh, the matters at hand. Uh, I have a question uh, to ask Joe. Uh, I'm going to say when they tested uh, you, you and your wife, did they get like a blood sample or like a no. urine sample or no, a Bobby? No, no, it's an, it's spread nasally, so they test your nose. Oh, okay. Okay, and then they take a sample, just like a saliva sample, anything like that. They then, don't take anything. You take it. And okay. you put it in a sealed <laughs> right, tube and you. hand it back to yeah, them. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, 1-800-795-9565. COVID-19 plus history of statues have been our topic. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for calling in. You're on the mark. Hey, thanks. Uh, I've been living under a delusion. I, I didn't realize I had to make a 5,000-mile uh, plane uh, flight to uh, Pearl Harbor to find out the uh, the history of, of the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor at the onset of World War II, but then I realized, well, if I go there to look for the history of the statues to Hirohito or the fighter squadron leaders that bombed the crap out of Pearl Harbor, I wouldn't be able to learn the history anyway, because guess what? There aren't any monuments to those <laughs> folks at, at Pearl Harbor. Right. So, does that leave me in a quandary where there is no way for me to know about history other than than, than walking around reading uh plaques on statues. No. Uh, I learned the history of the Civil War from history class in grade school and a little bit in high school, so this business of losing our heritage and not knowing history, that's just a bogus uh, point to this whole subject. You really think so? In my mind. Okay, well, so, you know, they haven't blown up the uh, Missouri and the bottom of Pearl Harbor, the, the parts of it that are still there. You know, should we get rid of that, too? Is that offensive to the Japanese? I don't even know what you're talking about. No, of course not. That that, that was a consequence of the... the, the these statues you're talking about, most of them were, were constructed well after the Civil War from the 1900s to almost up into the 1960s by this daughters of the American Confederacy as a response to the uppity black folks talking about having uh, equal rights in the United States. And if, you lis- and if you listen, you heard me say, during, I think, the, uh, if the, you listen to me, those are the ones I think could legitimately be taken down. Yeah, they're, they're bogus. I mean, they're, they're totally, they, they were just a response to, to, to folks wanting to, to have the same rights under the Constitution as these these so-called daughters of the Confederacy have. I mean, what, what is, what, 
This is not very hard to understand, is it? Well, let's take Christopher Columbus, for example. They pulled down his statue in Baltimore and threw it in the Inner Harbor. You think that's a good idea? <laughs> hey, I could give a hoot about Christopher. He never stepped foot on, on uh, North America, and he did and he did bring all kinds of diseases to the... I mean, inadvertently. I mean, I know they didn't know any better at the time, but wiped out whole t- tribes and and Native American cultures with the European diseases. But he also it, changed I the mean, world. His effect on North America was mostly negative. But he and changed it, the world. Amerigo Vespucius, who uh, right. America is named for, not Christopher Columbus. But Mike, he changed the world. If Christopher Columbus hadn't set yeah, done what he did, he did. Well, yeah, right. But that doesn't mean that 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 his effect on on, on the Native. Uh, a population in North America was a positive good thing. Well, I think enslaving indigenous peoples is is more of the reason we're reevaluating Columbus statues or just plain bringing them down. Yeah, I mean, like uh, President Trump was so worried about Andrew Jackson, for instance, his statues. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he was responsible for the Trail of Tears. Are you familiar with yes, that? Yes, I'm familiar with the Trail of Tears. You can't out right. history, those people, Joe. Those people were booted <laughs> off their, their property to open up more land for cotton production in the South, which was 99% of the labor done on, during that cotton production was done by slaves. And are you familiar with the concept? Are you familiar with the concept? Are you familiar with the concept of manifest destiny? That wasn't just Andrew yeah. Jackson. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, that, well, that was you mean that, that white folks are are, are superior to everybody. No, else. that the that this country <laughs> should go from Dang. sea to shining sea. I think no matter who was president, the Trail of Tears would have happened. We were taking Indian land well, long man, before Andrew a hell, Jackson. That's a heck of a, uh, an assumption. How do you know that? We were taking Indian land long before Andrew Jackson, including George Washington, who was quite a land speculator in the Ohio Valley. He took some of the best lands he could get his hands on, and he took them from Native Americans. Yeah. So, do we throw George Washington into the trash heap of oh. history? You know, I have a problem with that when the the, the pre-Civil War stuff and the post-Civil War stuff, somehow they don't seem quite the same for, for some reason. I, I can't get in that In your one. view, okay. I have to admit, I can't get that one straight in my head too good. Well, they're all, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. They're difficult decisions I mean, to this, make. This, these daughters of the Revolution putting these statues up to, to, to fight the equality for black folks under the Constitution, that's a whole different... Thing. I agree I mean, with you. I agree. That, that, that had nothing to do. It didn't really have anything to do with the Civil War. Well, it did, it did with promoting the lost cause, the idea of the lost cause. Yeah, right. These were, uh, these were traitors who killed uh, loyal soldiers and citizens of the United States in a losing cause defending slavery. And, and that's who we're uh, uh, putting statues up for? No, but on the other hand, and you get my point about I not do. being any statue to Hirohito at Pearl yeah, Harbor. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> we get it. Right, there's no statue of Hirohito at Pearl no, Harbor. No, because guess what? But Hirohito <laughs> didn't fight there. But um, no, but he he, he was the head Robert of the country e- that, that that bombed the crap out of Pearl Harbor. Robert E. Lee, that, right? Robert E. Lee fought at Gettysburg. George Meade fought at Gettysburg. Lo- James Longstreet fought at Gettysburg. You know, so yeah, there's a place for them there. Well, but Gettysburg's a museum. That's different. No, Gettysburg is a battlefield. Uh, well, obviously, but I'm saying yeah, it's, 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 it harkens you, back I'm, to I'm, the history. It, it's a hard subject, you know, but I definitely don't need some statue of some third-rate uh, Confederate general 
fighting for slavery to understand the history of the Civil War. Like the uh, conservatives keep trying to say, oh, what if we won't know our history? <laughs> That's not true. All right. Well, it, where do you stop? So if the first step you take is to ban the statue. Well, that's why we need. That's why we need uh, somebody at the head of the show to lay out a, a, a path and, and a way and a discussion from both sides as, as to the extent of these things and how we're going to handle it in the best way possible, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, I accept your nomination. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Joe remembers hey, all man, of this. Everybody I know could be a, be- a better president. You know? <laughs> Sorry about that. I wasn't even, looking for that job. Is. Even me. All uh, right. The coronavirus is going to magically disappear into the ether. Thank you so much, Mike. When it does, you'll be sorry, Mike. (laughs) Thanks for calling. Yeah, right. I'm 71. I don't want to get it. I don't blame you. 1-800-795... Thank you. 1-800-795-9565. Why do you think people want to pull down a Confederate statue? Well, look, I'm not so much concerned about that as where it goes from there. If the idea of tearing down a statue to Christopher Columbus is a good idea today because of the bad things he did, well, why isn't it a good idea to erase him from the history books? Why should we write a history of this man and bring up his good accomplishments because of all the bad things he did? What about My a statue of the Confederacy, though? I mean, of, of like, let's use these Fulton County plaques well, forget or them. They're or... not. They're minor. That was a, a very minor event. I just seems to me like they're gilding the lily. Everybody's saying, well, we got to get into this. we got to take ours down, too. But let's take a statue, let's say, of, uh, of General Robert E. Lee on Monument Row in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we're going to take that down. Okay, you're taking that down. Well, if that's a good idea, then why, why shouldn't we purge all the good things he did. What? Let's take him out of the history books entirely. Let's forget the Civil War. I mean, I think well, it's it's like a domino are, effect. Going, were, were people who fought for the South traitors? At the time, yes. We called them rebels. Are they white supremacists? Well, if to the extent that they owned black slaves, yes, but the majority of people who fought in the Civil War for the South were not slave owners. Well, no, of course not. And were they in favor of keeping slavery to this very day? Many of the young, many of the white people who fought in the Civil War for the South believed in states' rights. I always remember the question of a Union soldier, and it was told in the books in the Civil War story that was on Ken Burns did on TV. They asked the Union soldiers asked the Southern rebel. Why Why are you fighting? And his answer was, because you're down here. You know, we went into their territory. We took it. We, we invaded their homes. Mm-hmm. And so they fought. The so, majority of them weren't fighting to preserve so slavery. So the proper context, if you're going to examine a Confederate statue, it should be that the individual represented in the statue was a traitor and a white supremacist, but otherwise a heck of a leader, <laughs> right? Is that not the right context? No. The right context is, why did we put the statue up in the first place? If it was the daughters of the Confederacy putting it up to, as one of our callers just said, uh, to stop the uppity black people. Uh, That's his words, not mine. I understand. But, you know, if that was the purpose, it's wrong. Take it down. I'm I'm glad you said that, because that's what I tried to say to you before, not so articulately and far more wordily, that these statues call attention to the 
white supremacists who were honored when the statues were put up. All right, George Washington was a white supremacist. Thomas Jefferson was a white supremacist. James Madison was a white supremacist. I know this to be true from having watched Hamilton over the weekend on Disney. <laughs> and now they're talking about getting rid of that because they don't think Alexander Hamilton's life should be memorialized. That's the latest I heard oh, this morning. His family had slaves. So, you know, where are we well, going to draw no, the line? There's no mention of Washington's slaves. Hamilton speaks out against Jefferson's slaves one time, but, but he doesn't say mi- anything about but Washington. Bear in mind, if there was no George Washington, there would be no United States of All America, right, flawed though he let's may move, have been. Let's, let's talk about the present. Okay. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Al, last caller before a quickie break. You're on the mark. Okay, I'll draw you the line right now. Don't get rid of one of the monuments or statues. You know why? Why? We can learn from all of them, good or bad. And there are parts of history, like the lost cause, that cost us a lot of death. Americans killing Americans. And the South had to lose to wrong to right a wrong, a terrible wrong that this country had to get rid of. And you know who fought it and died? The young fought for the old people that, uh, of the older guys. I mean, that's the way war is all the time. We send our 18-year-olds off to get killed, and then we tell them they can't have a beer before they leave. So, you know, we've got problems. But that's that's everybody, before they even complain, they ought to be a, a no history, just one-tenth as much as Joe does. And um, I think they would come around, and that includes you too, Mark. Well, I, I'll ne- oh my gosh, I could never know as much about history as Joe. But I did one tenth. Oh, okay. Uh, that might that would be on the whole. But it really, I think what you have today is you have primarily young people, you know, twenty somethings and thirty somethings that are reexamining whether these statues really call attention to what our country stands for, whether they really stand call attention for what it ever stood for, and certainly what it stands for today. Pardon? Okay. We stood for we we had people that stood for bad. Right. But, and that took a lot of courage for the Southerners to reunite. And and the steps on the way were uh, give them a meal and receive the meal and be very grateful. We're brothers again. This war is over. I'm done killing my cousins from the South. Okay. Yeah. Even Robert E. Lee said to one of his generals one day, somehow those boys on the other side never quite seemed like the enemy. And he exactly. was right. He was right. It was countrymen yeah. versus countrymen. It's our history. I'm really upset because I'll tell you what, these black people got to learn that a lot of white people died, a lot of black people died to change that wrong. And we are on the right path. And we have another wrong that Franklin Graham says we, we turned our back on God. And what, until we get rid of abortion, I don't think it's, it's going to be right. And that's just my thought. You know what I mean? Okay. That's the way I go. That's the way I roll. Well, thanks, Al. we got another call coming in. We appreciate yeah. you taking the time to call us today. All right. Take care. Uh, good, good morning. Good comments. Good man. morning. You're on the mark. Go right ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. All right. You? I'm great. Listen, I'm curious. What is the uh, demographic makeup of WKOK? Do you have any people of color working there? Not that I know of. Mm, well, uh, uh, part-timers, yeah, no, nobody full-time on the staff. There's yeah, I'm wondering, did, do you have any women there? I know there was once a time... It's mostly had, women. It's We're mostly about 52% women. <laughs> women. 
percent women? Fifty-two percent. So, so based on my observation, I, I I find myself wondering if you aren't racist and misogynist because women are fifty percent of the population. Shouldn't half the staff there be women? You missed what he said. He said fifty-two percent of the staff oh, I are women. Part. Oh, good for you. You've made the mark then. So, I, and I don't mean that uh, anyway. Um, I think. I, and my point in this is not to criticize WKOK, <laughs> but but rather to beg the question about uh, how are we going to scrutinize each other in these issues? So if, you know, in the absence of meeting these marks, 10% of the population, give or take, changes black. I don't know what the Hispanic is. What about Asian people? And then if, if we're going to declare that anybody who doesn't see to it that in their organization those exact numbers are reflected, that they're racist, don't you think that's kind of irrational? Sure it is. It goes back to the quota system that we abandoned here in this country years ago. That's what what happened saying. to merit? Well, I think merit's very important, you know, but the question, though, becomes whether or not the playing field was level enough for everybody to have an equal chance. If it isn't level, then we've got a problem. If it is level, then everybody should rise or fall on their own merits and their own abilities. Well, I have no doubt that at some point in our history, the playing field was unlevel, was unfair, and disproportionately weighed. I know for women, for example, for, for centuries had no, no opportunities, no, couldn't own land, had no control of themselves or their bodies, and it was only in basically 1910 that they became full-fledged <coughs> citizens. So I agree that there, in our history there have been these un, unfair things. But this doesn't mean that I, as a woman, want to see Woodrow Wilson, who opposed the equal rights for women in voting, I wouldn't want to see statues of him torn down or him wiped off the history books or all the presidents that preceded him that didn't get it done for women. You know, there was an interesting story uh, on PBS over the weekend, One Woman, One Vote, and it talked about how the passage of the right to vote with the Susan B. Anthony Amendment, it was called, that passage was by one vote in the House of Representatives, by one vote in the Senate. And in the end, in the legislature that finally passed it and therefore made it law, because 36 states had to also approve it to make it law, an amendment, one vote, just one vote. So clearly there was an uphill climb. But I'm not, as a woman, interested in wiping all those people out in denying their place in history and removing them and you know george washington did he own slaves yes he did and martha brought many slaves to their marriage as a second set of slaves but on his death george washington freed his slaves does that earn him some street cred in this whole discussion or because he ever owned a slave Who's, he, he may have freed his but he didn't free his wife's <laughs> He couldn't, I guess. He couldn't free Martha. Well, why? She didn't, didn't own them. They didn't belong to him. Oh, they I belonged think they, to her family, the Custises. So. I think they did belong to him under the laws of that time. But anyway, moving but on. Anyhow, moving moving on. on, yes. But my point is, you know, so he doesn't that earn him some credibility? Apparently not. Uh, George Washington uh, committed genocide, wiping out villages of... Native Americans as part of our early history, but I'm not willing to throw George Washington under the bus, a man who was elected president twice and refused to run again, who refused to be, when, when Adams called for him to be called this long and verbose title, you know, your excellency, superiorness, I don't remember it off the Your high, Your high mightiness, your high mightiness. 
<laughs> right. He said, just call me Mr. President. So hmm. he, he set such his behavior, his choices, he set uh, our country on an important path, none mm-hmm. of which was immortalized right. in any document. And those were choices he made that humbled, that humbled himself, that placed himself in a lower point in history. So shall we remove the Washington Monument and uh, no. rename no. our capital and change all these street names? Because, yes, I agree, there was a time that he owned slaves. I'm not going to deny that. No, and but this- there was a time when most of the men in this country tweeted, treated women as slaves, although we weren't called that. You bring so up shall a- we just wipe out half of our country's history? You bring up an excellent point as to why we should let these statues stand. If I'm a, I take my son down Monument Row in Richmond, Virginia, and we see a statue of Robert E. Lee, and my son says to me, who is that, Daddy? It gives me an opportunity to explain him, to put some context to why that statue was there. He's a white trader man who eventually <laughs> trade, changed his mind. All right. Thank you so much, Thanks, Cindy. Cindy. Well, I just want to raise one more point. Uh, where, bri- briefly, you know, where our soldiers are buried right now, do you know who owned that land before it was taken in the Civil War? You mean in Europe? Native-, Native Americans at some point. Well, that's true, but it was owned by the Robert E. Lee's family. Oh, you were in Arlington. At Arlington. Buried, at Arlington. The, buried the first soldiers in his mother's rose garden, but it is attached to him. And so shall we disinter the thousands of people who are buried there and move them? All right. No. Thank you so much. Cindy. Really <laughs> appreciate the call. Right. Very timely. All right. one 800 is the open line. we got one caller standing by. We'll take more comers. 1-800-795-9565. If we talk about pulling down statues and uh, traitorous pasts and current cemeteries, what are we missing when it comes to um, the racial injustice that's really prompting all of this in the U.S. today? Are we missing the point? Tell us, 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows you vehicles worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. We've got callers coming in. we got callers waiting. Cindy brought up an interesting point about Arlington Cemetery, and you owe that to General Montgomery C. Meggs, who decided he was quartermaster general of the uh, Union Army, and he decided that they were going to take Bobby Lee's home and make it so that he could never use it again, and they did that by burying troops in his front yard, as she correctly pointed out, under the rose bushes. And wow. Now we have, that's how Arlington National Cemetery got started. So thank General and Montgomery C. Meggs. Arlington's going to be full soon. Then what do we do? We find an other place. one 800 795 We may need more callers. I see four lines lit up now. And so let's go to the phones. Dan's been waiting a long, long, long time. Dan, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Hey, good morning, guys. Why 
you know, this tearing down of statues is just the surface. You're not seeing the deeper part what's going on. Thank you. The, de- yeah, <laughs> the deeper part of what's going on is they tearing down American society as we know it. They want to destroy everything so they can get a new world order. That's what's really going on. And what we, what the far radical left is what's doing it. The far radical left, but people out here, probably a lot that call in that fall along with this idea of tearing everything down, they're just followers of the far left. They think, hey, this is intellectual superior. Everything's intellectual superior to what President Trump and the silent majority stand for. They, it's a, the, you, like you often said on here, there's very little talk we can talk with with the radical lefts. But they consider us radical, I guess, radical right people, racist. And honestly, I never met one of Trump followers yet that's a racist, including President Trump himself. It's like even our president says, even out there at Mount Rushmore, he said, what the radical left is doing is tear, trying to tear down Americanism as we knew it and grew up with it and what our forefathers built here, a beautiful system where every man is free. And I don't see, I don't see that black racism as, as you might mark as some of your callers do, I don't see it. Not since 1964 and 65 through the late 60s. We got affirmative action, and I know I have friends that are white that lost jobs, that they were had higher grades to get jobs that was taken from a, from a person of color and I talk with them they're not mad about it but they're getting fed up with what's going on now with overreaction but it's not that it's trying to tear down this America we grew up with for a new new world order society globalism all right. Is what it's all about. Thank Mark. you so much, Dan. Dan, we got to move on. We got three other calls waiting. Okay, Thank you. Hey, great talking with you. Good to hear you back. Good yep. to be back. Good to be back. All right. Hey, we invite you to visit SunburyMotors.com to see their entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, and pre-owned inventory. Select your perfect vehicle and purchase it right online, right from your home. The Sunbury Motor Company is a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15, Hummelsworth. Do as I did last week. Go down and talk to Kyle about my new. 
Ford Ranger, and he's <laughs> picking that out, and he's getting it waxed up and ready to go. And uh, you can do what I did. You start out on SunburyMotors.com so you have an idea of what's in inventory. If you're going to keep your existing truck, which I'll keep my Ranger now and probably, <laughs> I would think, forever. This is going to be an additional one. I'm going to have to have two. Uh, but do take it to the quick land on North 4th Street in Sunbury. They specialize in all types of service on vehicles. They'll pump you up with nitrogen. they got an alignment shop, car shop, body shop, vehicle shop, bumper shop, you name it. Every specialized shop you can imagine, parts shop, and they'll do good for you down there. SunburyMotors.com is the great starting point. Then go see Jason, Jeff, Ernie, Austin, or Kyle at the Sunbury Motor Company that puts you in a Ford, Hyundai, Kia, or Lincoln. Phone lines are lit and callers coming back. We're going to have about a 90 seconds each when we return. There's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, everybody gets 90 seconds. Mike, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Your 90 seconds starts right now. Okay, I'm watching all of the uh, videos on Twitter while you guys were in your absence last week. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of kids protesting, saying the Americans uh, are bad, uh, the country sucks, all that stuff. I mean, it's just horrible. But they're all using smartphones to do it. Well, let me tell you what. I can run a scenario where... Smartphones are racist, so maybe they ought to just put those darn things down and live their life without a smartphone. Now, I was being facetious there, but I want to move on in my next 60 seconds and just say this. I like to think about what the world would be like if during the Civil War, prior to the Civil War, the North decided, okay, we're going to be separate, we're going to let the South go their way, and the South is going to be, uh, you know, have slavery states and all that, and the country will be divided. How do you think the rest of the world would have played out in the event that the South remained agrarian with slavery and the North remained industrial? Would we have won the, well, when I say we, would the Second World War turned out like it did? What would our country be like now? We need to think about those things before we start calling everything in America bad. Good point. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Takes us to Chris, who gets 90 seconds of airtime. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Boy, Sydney is a master of uh, the straw man argument. Bring up things nobody said and argue against it. She's great at that. At least Joe's a little more subtle when he does it. <laughs> anyway. But, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we have a lot of monuments around this area to Indian killers. Okay. Yeah. Where? And so there is there is some uh, so, some work to be done here if you don't like those. Uh, but you know, George Washington, if you've done things that you are really noted for beyond 
your uh, legalized system of racism, I suppose there's a good argument for keeping your statue up. And I think Washington and Jefferson and whatnot certainly fall under that category. But it also depends where you do it and how you do it. And I think the argument on public lands and private lands are two different things. And even honoring the Confederacy in the South, when you have large black populations in your states, is a little on the iffy side, to say the least. All right, a couple seconds left. And by tore down, I think you should, when you, Joe talks about tore down, but he doesn't always distinguish between tearing down in the dark of night, tearing down in public when people know who you are doing it, and uh, government officials deciding to remove. Right, and that's the second one. Chris, we got to move on. We have. I'm sorry, we have to move on. Chris, thank thank you so much. Stan, you're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, The one there's there's three statues in this country that should be torn down. There, Vladimir Lenin, the murderer of millions and millions of people. Yet. In the three areas that they are, Seattle, New York City, and Los Angeles, large areas of capitalist enterprise, they remain standing in, and the people that are tearing down these statues, leave them alone. Wonder why that is. Wait, where is this? Lenin? Lenin, yes. <laughs> Lenin. Why? Is Vladimir it? Lenin. The, why? The, you know, communist guy in Russia and his predecessor. Right. No, no, no. I know who he is. Millions <laughs> of people. Why is there a statue yeah, of him in the Yeah, who put it up? <laughs> I, I don't know who put them up and why they were put up, but why should they remain standing? And, you know, they're tearing down all the, you know, the founders of this country. They want to tear all down their statues. They didn't. Actually, well, in Seattle, I think it was Washington. They I tore down and burned a flag over I think we're missing let's get point. Let's get a rope, stand, and we'll take care of it this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> He's at well, work. I mean, I don't know who put it up, but, you know, if they're going to be consistent and they're worried about the people that killed millions and millions of people and enslaved people, I think Lenin would probably be at the top of the list. All right. What else? Oh no, that pretty much covers oh, that's it. it. Okay. I mean, well, you know, their hypocrisy is is you know deafening. And we have you statues know, of Native American uh, Native American Indians who killed a lot of white people. So should we tear their statues down too? I don't think there's too many of those out there. Oh, there but are. Oh, could be wrong. There are a few. All okay. right. Thank you so much, Stan. Thank you everybody who participated, especially the lightning round here in the end. We hate to cut anybody off. But, well, tomorrow uh, we got 90 minutes of open phones, so call in then and express your opinion in detail at length. And somebody answer the question, please. Why are we tearing down statues today? What's the real reason? Joe says it's anarchy. What's your view? We'll find out tomorrow. This is WDK OK Sunbury.